So I, I love that. Uh, if you have your Bibles today, I'm going to get right into the to the Word of God. And I wrestled with the Lord. How many know that sometimes you wrestle with the Lord? And I I wrestled with the Lord on on what what to speak, and uh, I've kind of landed on this on on. Um, Wednesday night, I went through Psalm 139, and if you have not read Psalm 139 in a while, just I challenge you to go home and read it. Don't read it right now. Some of you are pulling out your phones and trying to read it right now, but I challenge you to read it. But I was reminded um, in that while I was speaking on that, I brought this this story up, and I, I just felt compelled to kind of go to this story. We're going to be in Judges. Matter of fact, uh, let, me, let me go back here. Go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter two. We'll we'll go there. Um, I, I want to uh, just kind of preface this. The Lord has really been uh, dealing with with us as a people. Uh, one of the things that God does with us as we grow is He starts to work on us. How many know that you're not finished yet? Uh, you, that when you when you get saved, that's the start. God begins to start working on you, and He begins to change your nature. And I'm glad about that. There's this thing in, in all of us, and now I know we're all at different levels of the faith. Some are some of you are veterans, and some of you are Hall of Famers, and come on. And some of you are, are novice, and some of you are amateurs, and some of you are rookies, and some of you are just prospects trying to trying to get it figured out. But in this walk, I can tell you this, that, that one of the biggest enemies that we have uh, is is the devil is working against us, but one of the biggest enemies that we have is our own flesh, our own carnal desires, and and I've been speaking heavily on this, and uh, recently, and I was just kind of praying about this last night, and I'm like, Lord, I feel like I just keep uh, speaking on this same thing, and the Holy Spirit said, just do what I tell you to do, and be quiet, TJ. Stop questioning me. So I, I'm going to speak on this this subject and uh, of a heavy situation. Everyone say a heavy situation. So I, I heard this statement once, and I love this this statement. Is this, and I want you to wrap your head around it. I'm going to say it a few times because the first time I say it, you're going to be confused. The second time you're going to start to get it. By the third or fourth time, you're going to get it. Sin is not bad because it is forbidden. It is forbidden because it is bad. Let me say that again. Sin is not bad because it is forbidden. It is forbidden because it is bad. One more time, all right, for the thick skull people like me. Sin is not bad because it is forbidden. It is forbidden because it is bad. Um, you know, one of the things I've learned as a pastor and, and serving in ministry is people oftentimes, they get angry with God. And they say, this they say you know I, I would I would love to be a Christian but this is how Christianity works is it's a lot of rules and it's a lot of regulations and and God's just trying to rule with rules and obligations and and I'm not allowed to do anything come on right but here's the problem when people say that is you're not allowed to do what your flesh wants to do come on and you don't want to come under subjection to what God and be obedient to what God wants you to do. But I'll say this statement again. The truth is sin is not bad because it is forbidden. It is forbidden because it is bad. Everyone say bad. 
As a father, I don't make rules for my kids because it's fun. I'm not some evil father going, <laughs> Wyatt, I made this rule for you. You got to do it. And I'm, and I'm not doing that to be mean to Wyatt and Zaley and Novak. But, but I, we make rules to set boundaries to keep our kids from being in trouble, right? Come on, parents, right? That's why we set boundaries because we know, listen, oh, man, listen, Listen, you know why your, your parents set boundaries for you guys? Because they've been where you are, and they don't want you to make the same mistakes that they've made. I'm just being honest with you. Revelation right there. And they don't want you to go down the same path. Some of them ha went down dark paths and did terrible things, and they say, hey, you shouldn't do that, and they set these rules. You know, Zaylee's not in here today, but I'm going to talk about her today. Come on, that's all right. She's not in here, can't defend herself. Uh, um, I remember when Zaylee was little, and I've probably told this story here, but I love this story. Me, we were going into a store somewhere, and Zaylee was probably, I don't know, uh, she was old enough to talk. I know that maybe three or four and, and, and we set her out of the car to get Wyatt out. And when Wyatt was little, man, he had a big head. I'm just going to be honest with you. Just a really big and bald head forever, it felt like. But, man, but look at his hair now. I mean, I'd give up, I'd give up bald head for a while if I could have that hair. But, um, but we were getting Wyatt out. In the process, um, me and Tristan... I don't know. I wouldn't. One of us wasn't paying attention to Zaley. I'd say it's probably me. Um, wasn't paying t attention to Zaley. And we're walking in the store. So I grab Zaley by the hand, and we're going along, and 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 we're getting near the front of the store. And I look down, and I said, Zaley, what do you have in your mouth? And she she goes. I said, what is in your mouth? And I get down there next to her, and then, then I smell what's in her mouth. Come on, right? That ain't good when you can already smell it, right? And I smell a cough drop. And I'm like, Zaylee, where did you get a cough drop? And she said, I found it on the parking lot. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> I don't drink after people. <laughs> And I said, spit it out, spit it out, spit it out. So she spits it out, and I was like, that is gross. Come on, we need to go buy her a toothbrush and some scope and some, you know, get that mouth cleaned out. And, and, and that's, that's gross, right? But needless to say, I, I, I don't have to tell Zaylee anymore, hey, don't eat cough drops that are on the parking lot. Ever. I, I don't. You know why? Because she totally agrees with me now, right? And, and But Hebrews tells us this, that the Lord, he chastens those he loves. That means he corrects those he, he loves. If, you, if the Holy Spirit is still tender and you're still being convicted about things in your life, you are in a good place because God is still working on you. But, but in your life, if you can, uh, you know, you've been sinning and you keep committing sin and you don't feel conviction about sin anymore, you know what that tells me, that, that you are not one of his kids. He chastens those that he loves. You know what I do when a kid is a brat in Walmart? Come on, somebody, right? You know what I'm talking about. You got them in your mind. You're thinking about that kid you saw at Walmart this week. Uh, but but you think about that kid that you see in Walmart and, and, and just going crazy over there. And you, the first thing you think is, boy, that kid needs a spanking. Come on. Come on, come on, some of you, come on, be real with me, right? And, and that kid's going crazy. But you know what happens is when I see a kid doing that, I don't go over and start correcting that kid because that is not my child. There are laws against that, right? 
And it's the same thing with the Lord when he comes in and he begins to correct us. And we need to understand, uh, you know, I was talking to someone uh, the other day and, and, and uh, this, this uh, person, they just, they were being moved by the Holy Spirit and, and God was kind of just in this place of correction. And I was talking to someone about that person and, and, and they said, you know, the good thing about that person being in that place is they're still sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That means that the Holy Spirit is still working on them. And how many know uh, I want the Holy Spirit to continually be working on me every day? Amen. And so what we see here, and we're going to go to the book of Judges here in a minute, but keep stay right there in Colossians. There's this cycle in the book of Judges, and it's all over the New Te- uh, the Old Testament, and, and, and in, even sometimes it carries over. But uh, it, it, it's one where man turns from God. Are you ready? Man turns from God, right? God turns man over to his own sins and desires. God says, okay, you want it this way? Here you go. Have it, right? And then man repents. Woo, praise God. And then God saves. And you see this cycle with the children of Israel over and over and over and over, right, in the Old Testament. And it's this cycle. But what happens is this. Here's some good news for you. The good news is that when Jesus came, he broke the cycle. Come on. He gave us freedom from sin. He gave us uh, the ability to overcome sin in our lives, to walk in liberty, to walk in freedom. And we are no longer slaves to sin because of Jesus Christ. Finish work on the cross. Amen. Come on. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise. So I want you to look at this. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. It says this. Everyone say, and you. Everyone go. That's you. That's you. And you who were dead in your trespasses. And the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Verse 14. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this is he, uh, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Amen. Verse 15. He disarmed. Come on, everyone say disarmed. The rulers and authorities and put them to what? By triumphing over them in him. You know what that verse tells me? That you are an overcomer over your flesh and over the sins in your life. Amen? Amen. So I, I wanted to share that verse. That verse wasn't originally in, the, in my, my message, but I felt compelled to say that. So I want to look at the book of Judges. So you can go back to the book of Judges, chapter 3. And, and I want to look at this man uh, in the Old Testament. His name is Ehud. Everyone say Ehud. Ehud. Sounds like somebody from Davies County, right? I'm joking. I'm joking. Jiminy Christmas. Ehud in the Old Testament. How many has ever heard of Ehud? All right, just a couple people have heard of heard of Ehud. It's a, this guy is an unsung hero, really. He's quietly, he's one of the judges, you know, uh, for a time period after Israel had had went through the, uh, went, came out of Egypt, and then they went through the, uh, working their way to the promised land. They went to the desert for 40 years. They went around. They finally got to the promised land. They started winning victory after victory and ups and downs, you know, serving the Lord, falling away. I mean, it's just this 
process. And then, so they're ruled by judges, and, and then eventually they start asking for a king, and you guys know how this goes. But, but in the process of these judges, there are people who, who rose up, and God used in a mighty way. How many want to be used in a mighty way by the Lord? Amen. So, so uh, Ehud here, he, he, in Judges chapter 3, and, and he has 14 verses written about him. Uh, but I think there are some real practical things in this story that we can apply to our lives to be free from the bondage of sin. How many want to be free from the bondages of sin? Amen. All right. So hang on with me. So, so here we go. Uh, uh, so the first thing I want to ask you is this. What, what's got you bound? What's got you bound? Everyone say, what's got you bound? You know, here's the deal. I told that story about Zaley, but, but most of us, if we're honest spiritually, come on, if we're honest spiritually, we have our, these cough drop moments in our lives spiritually, right? Where we, we don't know why we do it, but sometimes we're just going along and we're like, I know I shouldn't do this, but I, I think this is a piece of candy. It ends up being a cough drop that somebody spit out. All right. But, but, but moments, moments that we're not proud of or, or, and moments that we struggle with every day, sins that give us bad attitudes. Come on, right? Sins that give us uh, issues of our heart and give us uh, bad habits, and they dictate to us what we are going to do and how we are going to act. Man, do I have anybody in the building who has ever been there? Come on. All right. And so uh, these are bondages or things that hold us bound, and, 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 and we have no true freedom. So let's look at this. Judges uh, uh, verses, or chapter 3, verse 12, it says this. And the people of Israel, again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. You know what I love uh, when I read that? The word that sticks out to me is again. They did it again, you know. Uh, God, man, he had made a way for them. He had done great things. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon. Everyone say Eglon, the king of Moab against Israel because they had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So here, here's the beginning of the cycle with Israel here. They are turning their backs on the Lord. This is, and, and listen, this is very practical to us. And they, they had did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. What God called evil, they said, hey, we're going to do. Does that sound like our society? What God says is wrong. What God says is, hey, we are going to do. We're going to walk in complete rebellion. They turned their back on God. They did what their flesh wanted to do. Amen. So Eglon, he, he's the only man in the Bible, and if you go down to verse 17, he, listen, he holds this title in the Bible. Eglon, this Moab king, is the only man in the Bible that, that the Bible calls fat. Did you know that? Eglon, the, the king of, uh, of Moab, the Bible in verse 17. Go to verse 17. I, I must show you right now the Bible calls him fat. Come on, help me out. Come on, I know what's up there. Come on, it's coming. In the name of Jesus. Verse 17. And he presented, uh, uh, he presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, Eglon was a what? Okay, I told you the Bible called him fat. And the Hebrew word, listen, the Hebrew word for fat can be translated to this. Plump. Or plenteous. Or there was plenty of him. For real. I'm not making that up. His name is fitting because he was shaped like, like an egg, Eglon, you know. He is a big guy. 
He was a large man who was about excess, was about too much. Give me, give me, give me. I want, I want. There's never a satisfaction in me. How many know that that's what sin is? Keep it coming. Keep it coming. There's no, nothing will satisfy. Just, just keep it coming. And isn't that like sin? More excess, never enough. Just keep going. And the Israelites, they, 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 they fall to bondage to, uh, uh, to this large man, and, and it's a real heavy situation. So, so too, we do this in our flesh and, and, and our sins. We fall to temptation of sin, and it becomes a heavy situation. But look at this. Let's go on. Verse 13 says this. He gathered to himself the Ammonites. And the Amalekites, so he's a Moabite, come on, and the Parasites and the Jebusite. No, I'm just kidding. All right. And he gathered to himself the Ammonites and the Amalekites, and so the Moabites, and went and defeated Israel, and they took possession of the city of Palms. Now, some of you are like, well, that's cool. I don't really understand what that means. But what that scripture tells me is this. I'll, I'll get to it. Oh, man, I want to get ahead of myself today. Uh, but but the city of Palms is this city that we call Jericho, all right? Jericho. How many remember Jericho? God had previously gave Israel the victory over Jericho. But isn't it like the enemy to come in and take what God has set you free from? Amen? Come on, somebody. And what started as, as one, you know, King Eglon and the Moabites turned to three enemies. And King Eglon, he allied with the Amalekites and the Ammonites to go in and, and take the city of Jericho. And they took it. It's ours. It's, this isn't yours. And Jericho, the city of palms, it was an oasis in the desert with springs and vegetation. And they had year-round food supply, unlike most other, other cities. And so uh, there they are. And the enemy, this is this what the enemy does to us. He comes into our lives in the form of bondages to control and destroy, listen to me, the fruitful parts of our lives. Oh, man, I'm on fire for God. Well, I'm going to come in and I'm going to try to uh, get bondage so I can destroy what God is trying to do in your life. You know, some of us say this, you know, a little here won't hurt. A little lie here is okay in this, in this instance. Uh, bitterness, you know. I don't even know why I don't like that person, but I don't like that person. Come on, you ever said that? Uh, or, or maybe it's this, a look, a look at, at a picture or a, or a compromising moment. Just, hey, just a moment. Hey, hey, a little sip, a, a toke. Come on, a hit. Come on. But this is what the scripture tells us, that Eglon, he, he made, uh, he made a, 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 a treaty or a, a pact with the Amalekites and Ammonites and said, and what went from one person being in the lead, there was three. And so now, come on, there, there's this force, and, and we call that bondage. Everyone say bondage. Israel lost the victory of Jericho. Why? They did evil. They sinned. God said, okay, I'll turn you over to what your, your, your desires. Verse 14, and the people of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, for, listen, how long? 18 years this guy ruled. For 18 years. 18 long years. That's a long time, huh, teenagers? 18 years is a long time to be alive, isn't it? No, it's really not, I promise. Now let me ask some of the older people, how many know that 18 years is not a long time to be alive? Come on, I see people waving their hands. Give me another 18, Lord, right? Uh, 18 long years, Eglon ruled over the Israelites. And, and this is what happens. Here's the second part of the cycle. We see God turning Israel over to their enemies. God, we're going to do evil. We're going to do our flesh. We're going to do whatever we want to do. And God's like, okay, free will. Here you go. Go for it. 
See how that turns out for you, right? I, I've learned that this in my life, that what you feed is what grows. If you feed your flesh, your flesh will grow. If you feed your spirit man, your spirit man will grow. Come on, somebody, right? And if you're doing everything that just satisfies the flesh and it's in excess and all these things, guess what? That flesh will get puffed up and get bigger and bigger and bigger. But if you feed the spirit man when you get into the word of God, when you start praying, when you start worshiping, when you start digging into the word of God and asking God to, hey, change me, asking the Holy Spirit, hey, search my heart, find out in me if there's anything that's impure, Lord, move it out of me. And you begin to grow in that, that spirit man gets stronger and stronger and stronger. See, we often justify our little hidden sins or attitudes by trying to suffice them rather than deal with them. Come on. I'll just suffice it. I, rather than deal with it, rather than have to deal with it, I'll just suffice it. One more, one more talk, one more drink, one more look, one more touch, one more. And it has us bound and we say, hey, uh, Lord, I can't deal with this by myself. And we get, get ourselves up to our neck. I said it, I said it Wednesday night and I, I think some of you are going to understand this. You know, what's that thing uh, that Barney Fife always said? He said, Andy, what? Nip it in the, nip it in the bud, Andy. Get it before it starts. Come on, all the Andy Griffith people. I think Andy Griffith will be in heaven. Amen. I, I think we'll be watching the Andy Griffith show. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know that. All right. But, but, but here's what happens. Oftentimes, we start, it, it always starts as something small, and it begins to grow. You know, people that are alcoholics, guess what? It didn't start with excess. It usually starts with small. I got, I got this under control. People that are drug addicts, I, I got this under control. I, I can deal with this. I, and, and what's happened is if we can't beat it, this is what happens. I'll just suffice it. Maybe I'll just entertain it for a while and it'll, it'll go away in my life, right? Lust, fleshly desires, and passions are like fire. I mean, and, and, and here's the thing. Fires burn and burn and burn as long as you keep feeding them, Right? Right? You keep throwing wood on a fire, it'll go and go, I mean, unless the rain comes. But, I mean, if you put, uh, Greg has a wood stove. Greg, if you just keep putting wood in, don't do it now. But if you keep putting uh, wood in your, in, your, in your stove over and over every day, you get up, you, you fill it up, and you let it go, and you just keep doing that, it'll burn, 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 as long as you keep filling it up. And that's the way sin works. The more you keep feeding it, the more you keep doing that, it'll, it'll just get hotter and hotter and demand more out of you. And, and, and Israel, this is what happened. They, they got to the place where they were giving offerings to Eglon for 18 long years. They had to come and they had to give him offerings to suffice him. And that's what happens to us in our flesh. Listen, we're led by the flesh. And guess what? We're trying to, hey, I'm just trying to make this. I, I'll just come to the altar of, of, of my own flesh here and I'll, I'll make it happen. And then maybe it'll just go away and I'll get past it. Maybe nobody will know. Come on, somebody, right? I'm getting down to where you're sitting right now. All because here's the problem. They would not deal with it. Israel would not deal with the situation. And people are often content to be in sin. Let me say that again. People are often content to be in sin. And this is what happens. We're miserable. But what if I told you there's a way out of bondage? What if I told you today, listen to me, I don't know who I'm talking to, but what, what if I told you there's a way out of bondage, a way out of sin, and, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, somebody that can break the cycle. John 8, 36 says this, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall what? Be free indeed. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise in this house. 
Now look at this. Here's the second thing I want to ask you is who's rising up within you? Who's rising up within you? I love this story. Verse 15 says this, and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. And the Lord raised up for them a deliverer. <laughs> Ehud, everyone say Ehud. The son of Gera and the Benjamite, a left-handed man. Come on, who's left-handed in the building? Raise your left hand. I'm not left-handed, I'm right-handed. Uh, uh, you know, left-handed people are in their, their right mind and right-handed people are in their left mind. That's the way that works, just so you know. So uh, all you left-handed people are in your right mind. But he was a left-handed man. The people of Israel sent tribute by him to Eglon, the king of Moab. So this is what happened. The people of Israel, they're sufficing this king, Eglon, of the, the king of the Moabites there in Jericho. And they said, hey, take this peace offering so they'll, they'll leave us alone. Keep, keep taking that. And so Ehud, he's there. And so here we enter the third cycle. We, we see is this, is there's a cry uh, uh, for repentance or supplication or a cry for help. Have you ever been so bad in your circumstance that you just cried out to God right where you're at, didn't matter who was around you, didn't matter what your situation was, you just fell to your knees. I may be in, in the parking lot or something, and you just said, God, I need help. Maybe you're in the middle of a hospital room, and you fell to your knees. You said, God, I need your help. Maybe you're in your bedroom late at night or in the middle of the night, and you just fell, and you just said, God, I need your help. They needed a deliverer in this, this third cycle. They they, they begin to cry for help, and, and, and we cry out to you, God, we cry out to you because we've been bound for so long, and we're tired of feeding this beast, and we're tired of feeding this bondage, and we need deliverance. Nehud from the tribe of Benjamin, which means this, the tribe of Benjamin, they're, they're, it means this, the son of the right hand. Weird, he's a left-handed guy, but he's from the tribe of Benjamin, which means the son of the right hand. And there's something, there's one problem, e Ehud, he's left-handed. And scripture tells us that some scholars even believe that he may have had some sort of handicap with his right hand. They, they don't know for sure, but he is left-handed. So he is a southpaw, come on, from Philly, all right? Come on, all my Rocky people, or, or wake up. Right. He is a southpaw, was God's answer to Israel's dilemma. It's amazing to me that God uses the most... Uh, uh, you know, the people that we overlook the most, God will use. Amen? Have you ever thought, man, I, I'm conflicted. Why, why am I this way? Uh, and, and Ehud, who comes from the tribe uh, 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 that is the son of the right hand and the left hand. See, what the problem is, is where does Jesus sit? He sits where? At the right hand of the Father. There's honor at the right hand side. So he's from that tribe. And, but guess what? He's left handed. So there's a, there's a conflict going on within him. How many know that God will use whoever he wants to use? Amen. Uh, there's this, uh, well I was going to the gym. Uh, man, it was a long time ago. No, I was going to the gym once and, and when I lived in Texas. And I, I would go on a regular basis. And, and the time that I would go, I'd always run into this guy. And, and, man, his name was John Weaver. He might be related to you, DJ. I don't know. And, but his name was John Weaver, and, and I would meet him in the gym. And he was an older guy, but, man, he was ripped. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Those guys that's just ripped. I think he lived in the gym. And, and in the middle of him going to the gym every day and me being there, he, I was, I was kind of new to the gym, and he would be like, hey, let me help you do this. You're doing that machine wrong. Let me, let me help you. Let me give you a little coaching. Let me give you a little bit of help. I began to build a rapport uh, with John Weaver just over time. 
And, and, you know, and I'd come in sometimes and be like, hey, John, how are you? And he'd be like, I'm good. And then we'd go to our workout or whatever. One day at, at the end of my workout, he came up to me and he said, man, can I talk to you? And I was like, absolutely. I thought he was going to tell me how bad I did at the gym or whatever. And, and he comes up to me and he says, man, I, I, I have this going on in my life. And he just started just bleh, throwing it all out there on me. I was just like, and he began to cry. And I thought, this big guy is crying right here. Nobody going to say anything to him at the gym. And he's just sitting there. And he, and he says, uh, he says I, I just, he goes, I know, I know you're a youth pastor. And, and I, will you just pray? Will you just pray for me? And I said, I absolutely will. I prayed with him right then and there. I went home and I told Tristan, I said, Tristan, I've got, I've got to go buy this guy a Bible. I don't know. I feel led to go buy him a Bible. I went to the little Bible bookstore that we had and I bought a Bible and I, and I called him and I, he had given me his number. I called him and I said, hey, where are you at? And he lived, I don't know, out of town somewhere. And I said, will you meet me at this spot? And he said, yeah. So we went to, to Wendy's parking lot of all places. Uh, Wendy's parking lot, and I, I met him there, and I said, I said, I said, John, I, 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 I feel like I need to give you uh, this, this Bible, and, and he just broke down crying, weeping, he goes, nobody, nobody's ever given me a Bible, nobody has ever given me a Bible, and I thought, man, how sad that is, and, and I said, and he goes, where do I start reading, and I said, man, I said, my favorite, one of my favorite books is the book of James. I said, but my recommendation to you is go to, go to John. And I said, John does a good job talking about the love of Christ. I said, you need to understand what that is. And, and he goes, all right. And, and he was just weeping, and he gave me a big hug and bear hug and squeezed me. And I said, and, and it was amazing. And I, I didn't really think nothing else of it. I, I didn't invite him to church. I should have probably said, hey, come to church. I didn't even really worry about it. But this is interesting. So a few days go by, and I, a guy in our church, a board member in our church, he calls me and he says, hey, he owned a business. He said, I need you to come by my work. I need to talk to you. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm a youth pastor. What did I do this time? That was my thought process. I was like, I'm in trouble, whatever I did. I, and I was a little intimidated. I, and I pulled up there and I got out and I went and talked to this, this gentleman. And he said, sit down. And I was like, oh, man, this is not good. And when it starts like that, you know you're in trouble. And I sat down and I'm sitting there and he goes, he goes, I have a question for you. And I was like, here it comes. What did I do? And he said, you know John Wheeler? I said, yeah, I know him from the gym. He goes, you know he's a good friend of mine, right? And I said, no, I didn't have any clue that he was a good friend of yours. And he said, yeah. He said, I've been trying to get him to come to church. I've been trying to tell him about God my whole life. And he said, let me tell you something, TJ. He said, I never thought you would be the guy to get through to him. So God will use whoever he wants. God will put people in your way uh, that, that, can, that, that God ordained, ordained to be there, to challenge you, to, to get you to make that corner. Come on. It's not because I'm good. Listen, I just followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. Man, every day I fail miserably. But I can tell you this, that, that if you'll get in tune with what the Holy Spirit's doing, you'll have those kind of moments in your life. And God will open great doors for you to speak life into somebody to make a difference in their life. This verse 16, and Ehud made for himself a sword with two edges. Uh, other translations say a, a dagger, a cubit in length. It's about 18 inches, give or take. And he, and he bound it on his right side under his clothes. So he's a left-handed guy, and so he puts it on his left side, right, the draw. And, 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 and right-handed people would put it on this side so they could draw it and go, go to battle. And so what's, what's he do? He puts it on his right-hand side. And, and he presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. So he goes before him, 
And Eglon was a very fat man. All right, I cannot get over that verse. Instead of just gearing up for the usual offering to Eglon like others were doing, Ehud, he does something amazing. He starts making a double-edged sword with nobody knowing about it, without big fanfare. Hey, I'm making a sword. No, he just begins to make a sword. And, and, and not only is he making it, but he's hiding it on his right side, okay? I've got this thing hidden. And the King James says that, that he brought offerings. And may I suggest this? I don't know what kind of offering he brought. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it's probably food. Could be wrong. I don't know. But how many times do we prolong our bondage? We just keep feeding it. This is what I require. This is the flesh says, do this. And we're like, ah, just suffice it. Verse 18. And when Ehud had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who carried the tribute. So there's people with him. But he himself turned back at the idols near Gilgal. So he had left and he had got to the place where Gilgal was and there were some idols there. And, and he thought to himself, I, or he said, I have a secret message for you, O king. And he commanded uh, silence. And all his in attendance went out from his presence. So I, w- I want to just tell you this. Ehud, listen, he came to this realization. When he left with those that had given the tribute, when he left, he got to the idols of Gilgal. And when he saw the idols, listen to me. When we are cognitive, when we ask the Holy Spirit to help us, God will show us what the idols are in our lives. And when he finally sees them, he says, I've got to deal with this situation. And he, he turns and he, he goes back to Eglon and Eglon is there and Eglon is, is telling all his guys and he's trying to say, I've got a secret message for you. Ehud says, Eglon, I've got a secret message for you. And it's loud in there and Eglon's like, all of you guards, shh, be quiet. I'm trying to hear what he's saying. And he sends them out of the room. How many know that God makes a way where there seems to be no way? Amen. And Ehud, he goes back to Eglon, I have this message. Well, you know, and I don't know what Eglon said. Maybe it's, maybe it's a secret recipe for angel food cake. Maybe it's a, I don't know. I, I don't know what is my, but he's like, I, I, I need to know what this is. Verse 20 says this. And Ehud came to him, and as he was sitting alone in the cool roof chamber, come on, just him and just Ehud and Eglon, they're sitting there alone. I have a message from God for you. And he arose from his seat, come on. And Ehud reached with his left hand over his right side. He was able to sneak it in because they had checked the guys on the left side because everybody was right-handed. So he got this thing in. And it says this, he reached with his left hand, took the sword from his right thigh, and thrust it into Eglon's belly. It's pretty amazing, right? Man, you know it's going to be so graphic today. Ehud, he confronts Eglon. He He's not being deceptive here. The Hebrew word for message, I have a message for you, is debar, which means I've got a thing. I've got a bone to pick with you, Eglon. I've got something that we need to handle. Come on. I think if we as believers would get a little bit more indignant about what Christ is doing and look at the things in our life and say, hey, sin, hey, devil, hey, flesh, I've got a bone to pick with you because I am tired of walking in bondage. And he delivers this blow and that's why the uh, and, and and I'm sure he thought man that's why I'm left-handed I, this whole time that's that it worked to my favor God's got you designed the way that you need to be designed right and I don't understand this but this just just be like uh, Ehud and move forward in obedience to God and God can usually look at this verse 22 and I'm gonna ask the worship team to come verse 22 and and the hilt 
also went in after the blade. Come on, the whole handle went in. All the way in. That's a long ways. For he did not, uh, and it says this, the fat closed over the blade. It's very descriptive. I think the, the, it's almost like Luke wrote it in the New Testament. It's very descriptive here. I'm going to give you all the details here. He's thrust it in, and the fat covers the blade, and it covers the handle. And he did not pull the sword out of his belly. And this is what the Bible says. Come on. All right. The next part says, and the dung came out. That's gross. So Ehud stabs the dagger in Eglon's belly, and it surrounds the dagger, e even the handle. And so some scholars, uh, you know, no one knows for sure, but some scholars believe that this, this dagger could be 13 inches, 18 inches. Some even say up to 30. But I'm going to tell you this. If a dagger can go in somebody, that is a large, large person. And he pulls, the, uh, and, and the Bible says this, that, that, that the, his bowels come out flowing. That's, that's terrible. The King James Version says it like this, the dirt flows out. The dirt flows out. Can I tell you this, this in your life, if you're dealing with bondage, listen, I'm going to give you something super practical here. So practical. Listen, you, this is stuff that you, you can learn in, in, in kids' church and stuff that we should be applying. But listen to this. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between the soul and the spirit, between the joint and the marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Can I tell you something? Some of you are walking in bondage. Come on. Because you don't have the word of God in your heart. The word of God is an offensive weapon. Get back. Get away, devil. Get away, flesh. What did Jesus use in, when he was being tempted by the devil? The word of God. Get back, Satan. You're twisting the word of God. Get out of here. You don't even know what you're talking about. The word of God, it cuts and exposes the enemy. It gives the final blow to the enemy. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. What? To the pulling down of strongholds. Can I tell you this? I don't know where you're at today. You, you can't defeat the enemy in your own flesh. It's going to be supernaturally. Some of you, uh, bondages are, are broken by supernaturally, by the word of God, by the spirit of God, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Listen to me. Psalm 119.9. Listen to me. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. You want to keep bondages off your life? Start reading this word. Know this word. Put it deep in your heart because when the enemy comes in, you can say, no, devil, that's not right. I can walk in freedom here. I can. I, I know I shouldn't be doing it. I know, I know I'm better than this. I know God's created me for better things than this. And your flesh will not devour you and take you over. Psalm 119.11 says this, so two verses down. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Amen. And Ehud, he had hidden a dagger. When the time came, final blow. Enough's enough. I, I love this story. You know, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. And I, uh, you know, when I go to my house, you know what I don't do? I don't speak to the lights. I don't say, turn on. I don't. I don't, I don't have the clapper at my house. I don't have any of that. I don't. Some of you is like, I still have the clapper. You know, 
I don't look at the lights. When I walk into this building and, and I don't say, turn on lights, and they turn on. You know what I do? By faith, I go to the switch and I say, and I press it, and I pray that the electric company's doing what they're doing and that the bill's been paid and then that everything's going to work and phew, it comes on. It's the same thing with the Lord. You know what? If you have the word of God in your heart, you, you walk in that in faith. You put that out there and you say, Lord, activate what, what the word of God is doing in my life. God, activate this. Lord, help me with this temptation. God, help me to walk away. Lord, you said that, 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 you, that you would make a way out when I'm being tempted. Lord, where is that way? Help me find it. Come on, somebody, right? So step by faith, the word of God will break bondages in your life. Look at this, verse 23. Then Ehud went out to the porch and closed the doors of the roof chamber behind him and locked them. I like this, this ending right here. You know what he did after he, he killed him? He bowels opened up. He went out the door, shut the door, locked it up. I'm out. You know what that tells me? Listen to me. Listen to me. Is that he was not going to give access back to that place again. When God has freed you, listen, what you need to do is walk away from it and say, God, help me to lock this door so I don't go back to the same thing, the same bondages, the same thing that's been dragging me. God, help me to shut this door and lock it so I can walk in freedom. Now, the, what I'm not in this story, what I'm not going to tell you is this. If you read on to this story, he goes on and he defeats the Moabites. Come on, and God gives him full victory over the Moabites because the king is gone. And God, that's what God does. He gives us full victory. Come on, some of you are dealing with things in your flesh and you're like, I can't get victory over this thing. God will give you victory over those things in your life. Come on, will you bow your heads with me all across this building? James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will what? Flee from you. And some of you need to learn to resist instead of suffice. Here's the problem. Some of us have been freed from things. And we walk away and we leave the door open. But today is the day you say, hey, Lord, I, I, I'm going to be freed from these things. I'm going to walk in clarity of what you want me to do God you're I'm gonna walk in freedom from sin I'm gonna I'm gonna live I'm gonna live as as close to you as possible holy 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 I, Lord I want to try to be as as holy as you are God I know I got a long ways to go long I'll never make it but Lord I'm gonna try my best to get as close to you as possible but some of us need to learn to shut the door and lock it say no more one of the things I'll say about Eglon is this. He is never mentioned ever again in the Bible. Ever again. And I believe this. When God frees you from things, he can set you free. I'm not saying that your flesh isn't going to try to pull you back. But listen, if you'll, if you'll put, put up some, some things in your life, some, some roadblocks, if you'll get some accountability on maybe your internet searches, if you'll get some accountability in your life, if you'll find somebody that will hold your feet to the, to the fire, if you'll find somebody that you can be honest with and say, man, I just had a bad day. I, I failed miserably today. That God will help you. God will help you work, work this thing out. If you're here and you say, hey, pastor, that's me. I, 
I, I need to know Jesus. I hear, I hear you talking today. Listen, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's here, and he'll give you, uh, he wants a relationship with you. He, he loves you is what the Bible says. He loves you with all his, his heart. He, he cares about you. He died on a cross for you. He, he, he paid the price for your sins. We sang about it earlier. He paid the price for your sins. If you're here to say, Pastor, I, I want to know Jesus as my, as my personal Savior. I, I want a relationship with him today. If that's you, will you just lift your hand? No one looking around in this moment, please. Just as a, a few moments here. Thank you for that hand. Come on, anybody else? Anybody else? The Bible says this, that if you admit you're a sinner, if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, confess with your mouth, and that he, that he has uh, set you free, that, that you will be saved. Will you just pray this prayer for me? I, 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 I saw you lift your hand today. Come talk to me after church. I, and we can do it, you know, later when people are gone. I, just, just come talk to me. But if you, if you will just say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. God, I, I admit that I failed. God, my flesh has got the best of me. God, I have sinned against you. Lord, and I am sorry for that. Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah. Lord Jesus, I believe you lived a perfect life. Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins. Lord, that you were, that you were buried Lord, that you rose from the dead, victorious, and you sit at the right hand of the Father now, making intercession for me. God, I, I confess all my sins. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. And I ask you, Lord, to be the Lord of my life. 